Hi, Ivory Tower Boiler Room listeners. Happy Saturday. Welcome to a really special event. It's called Our First Year is in the Books. It is our open mic poetry event. So we are going to have you all get to listen to first a roundtable that includes the Ivory Tower Boiler Room team, myself, Adam, Mary, and Erica. We talk about all of the books we're reading, recommendations we have, um, movies that we watch when we're sick. We answer the questionnaire that we give to all of our guests on the podcast. So that was a roundtable that occurred right before the open mic event started. And the open mic night was on August 3rd. So it took us a little while to deliver it to all of you in the podcast sphere, just because we did listen back to both the in-person event that happened at our sponsor, Words Matter Bookstore in Pittman, New Jersey. That, that was one in-person event. And then Erica hosted, along with uh, Tiffany Soa and Cameron Martin, a virtual poetry event at the same time. So we were all listening back to the audio, figuring out what poems to deliver to you all. So we hope you all enjoy it. Right after the roundtable, you'll hear the Words Matter Bookstore in person poetry readings. And then right after that, you'll hear the virtual poetry readings. Um, and you'll get a chance too to hear from Tiffany and Cameron and how they got to know the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. So before I have you all listen to these exciting events, I do want to announce we have a new Ivory Tower Boiler Room team member. Jaron Usta is our new head of marketing. Welcome to the team, Jaron. Um, if you haven't gotten to be in contact with our social media, make sure you do because we have a special announcement discussing Jaron's new um role as the head of marketing so make sure that's a reminder to follow us on our new instagram ivory tower boiler room it just got launched and jaron is heading our instagram page so thank you jaron and also remember to follow us on twitter ivory boiler room and on facebook the ivory tower boiler room okay so without further ado First, it's exciting that we get to feature a happy birthday message from Jesse Green, who was on our podcast. Yes, the chief theater critic for the New York Times. So we'll hear Jesse Green's happy birthday message and then go right into our theme song, Lover Man. And you'll get to hear all of the events and happenings which occurred on August 3rd for our Open mic poetry night. Okay, bye everyone. Happy first birthday, Ivory Tower Boiler Room. I think you just need six more till tenure.
Hi, welcome to our first year is in the books. I'm actually for the first time sitting next to Mary and Adam, who, um, if we have this as a video, might have to poke in on my side to see. So there's Adam, he's here. Mary is here, but I don't want to move it because of our technology. Um, there are so many wires. Yeah, we also have Erica zooming in with us. So hi, Erica. Hi, everybody. So we are quite excited to be at Words Matter Bookstore, our official sponsor. Carol, the owner, has been so gracious. We are abuzz with um, cookies and wraps. And I know that there is a woman who makes tea coming soon. Um, we'll describe the table for all of you because you'll be hearing this on our podcast, right? Adam had made a really nice donation illustration with our uh, logo that he actually created. Um, Mary brought the bookmarks. Um, it was so amazing. Erica's getting them soon. They look really good in yep. person. The red is very striking. Yeah. Um, it it, it kind of looks like one of those, like real one of those really intellectual books that has a red cover to grab your eye, like Tennessee Williams or something like that. Yeah. And we have um, exciting flyers that we're not going to announce yet because you'll have to wait until the end of the podcast to hear what our new October book club is all about. Because Andrew is a sucker for drama. Yeah, even though if you have watched our <laughs> social media pages, you'll find out before the podcast. But, yeah. you know, we'll get to see which ones of you are more dedicated to our social media. Um, we have questionnaires <laughs> with us right now. So we're actually, Adam, I know he's filling out some uh, answers to the questionnaire, but we're actually going to go through it as a team because we've never answered our own writer questionnaire. Um, so Adam, what is the first question? So the first question is, what are you reading right now? Which I guess means not right now because we're recording. Yeah, so what but, are you reading when you're not recording, Adam? Right, all right, it's me. Um, so I've been reading uh, a little bit at a time. I've been reading Wandering Stars by Sholem Aleichem. It's, Amazing. Uh, everybody knows, uh, most people know Fiddler on the Roof, and some people have a crush on one of the people who, who starred in it. But most people don't know that, that Fiddler on the Roof is just the tip of the iceberg for Shalom Aleichem. So Wandering Stars is this novel about these itinerant Yiddish actors who would travel from town to town, sometimes within the like Eastern European area that was the stronghold of Yiddish, sometimes as far as London. And it's, um, it's amazing. It's an, it's an amazing book. The characters are well-drawn. It's, it's that weird combination of funny and sad that every Shalom Aleichem book is. And it's been a while since I've read a Shalom Aleichem novel, so I'm just really stoked. Yeah, and Adam has really gotten me to um, want to read Tevya the Dairyman. Our you haven't yet? Our first. <laughs> no. No, wait, actually, that's not true. Jesus, I've listened to some Christ. of it on audio, Audible, but I just did start reading. Well, so I guess now I'm jumping in, but I did start reading E.L. Doctorow's Ragtime as an audiobook, and it's read by him. I just want to point out that our first conversation in like 2014 was about Tevya the Dairyman, and you still like. Yeah, well, what are you waiting it's for? It's on my list. What are you? <laughs> I know. But it doesn't mean I haven't picked up others. Maybe so. when I'm dead, you'll read it. Well, so <laughs> let's see. Let me count the minutes. Uh, 
that might be sooner than you think. Um, but uh, no, so I'm reading The Vanishing Half. I got through a lot of that in Atlantic City and it's enjoyable. I like Britt Bennett a lot as an author. Um, I, yeah, am now on chapter 10 of Just Above My Head by James Baldwin, mm -hmm. which I've been doing as the audiobook and has been really fruitful, um, but it's intense as Mary knows, cause she started to read it. Um, yeah, yeah. So Mary, I know you've been reading something very exciting. What have you been yeah. reading? Oh, should I tell? Okay. Oh, wait. that's right. Never mind. We'll, I, we'll tell you without actually giving you all of the information. Okay, so there's a book that I just finished reading. It's incredible. And you will all hear about that later. But I am starting The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. Because, you know, our own book club that we had going on personally, I did not read yet. <laughs> yeah. And for all of you out there, we have now created a ivory tower boiler room sponsored by words matter bookstore book club that actually is going to be starting in october and then every month we now have started to get people lined up and they are authors who are alive because you get an opportunity to ask them interview questions so that's really exciting we do have a september book club that's possession by as by it and as by it is in her 80s and i actually reached out to her agent so i might hear back from her but i'm not going to task her with as much um publicity as I would other authors just because <laughs> you know I think she put in a lot of time um but if you do want to join even the possession book club we're going to start having more information about that in our event section of our website that's coming out soon so stay tuned mm -hmm. so Erica what book are you currently reading um so I have three books I have um Sarah Shulman's Let the Record Show which I'm listening to as an audio book, um, getting ready to interview her with Andrew later this month. I am still finishing, actually make that four books actually. Make, I'm still finishing um, Too Bright to See, which was a birthday gift and I love it. It's a middle grades book. Um, so it's a very easy pick up, put down novel, but ghost stories and drag queens, I mean, I gotta love it. What else um, do you need if you have those two ingredients? But I want to read that too, Erica. Thank you. It it is fabulous, and as I said, I will totally jump in and take the lead on a middle grades or you know middle grades and YA book club. So you know, at some point down the road, we may we may have that happen. And then yeah, I've got- wait, Let's just say November. I think we might have a young adult book club, but yeah, that's just what a birdie told me. Putting, mm -hmm. putting that out there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, um, um, then we've- Go on. I've got, I've got Fear of Flying, which I had picked up um, as, you know, I revisited that as part of sort of education and trying to sort of figure out how to do some things in my own writing. And then I finally cracked open, which I have been um, looking at for months, Atonement Camp for Unrepentant Homophobes. Wow. <laughs> this is some heavy hard hitters. Yeah. Um, but no, Erica, I can't, Erica and I are so excited. We're gonna be releasing that Sarah Shulman interview um, the beginning of September. So 
I've committed myself to the audio book too. And let's just say Erica and I are in for a over 20 hour listen. So it's going to be a, that's big news, you know, but my audible, my audible account is going to shoot up with the um, rewards system that they give you. So I will probably be um, one of the experienced readers soon. So more, (laughs) more, uh, you know, incentives to read and listen. So um, I know Adam is going to ask the next question. So Adam, what is our next questionnaire question? All right. So let's start with um, Erica, since we've got you on the hook. Um, What is something you have read and loved and wish more people would read? Hmm. Read and loved and wish that more people would read. Um, my goodness, that's a really, really, really hard question. Yeah, no, I mean, and we ask it of our writers. <laughs> yeah. I know. I mean, <laughs> we are, are cruel sometimes. No, that I mean, that's the thing is that is that you ask other people this question, and then when it's turned on you, you're like, oh, I was going to say something, but no, that's not right. Okay, I was going to, no, but that's not, well, but maybe, maybe I could, and you just... Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, snap know, judgment. What is what is your favorite underread book? That's. I'm trying to think of what my favorite underread book is. My goodness, when you and I came up with these questions, I didn't even think about how hard this one would be. <laughs> <laughs> this, Did you? Is, um, if I had, it would have been with a little bit of sadistic glee. Well, so Adam, do you have one? Let me send this question <laughs> on to you. So, so. I went, I went through a phase of reading books that other people don't necessarily read. So I have a lot of answers to this, but the one that I really want to go with is there's this Portuguese author whom I obviously read in translation named Jose Maria Essa de Queiroz, who is a 19th century realist novelist in the, I guess you would say in the tradition of Flaubert. Um, and there was this one novel of his in particular that I adored when I was in my early 20s called The Crime of Father Amaro, which is about a, a priest in a small Portuguese city who has a, an illicit affair and frankly, an abusive affair with a female congregant. And it is so such a scathing social commentary, um, but also like that would be worthless by itself if it didn't have really interesting characters and beautiful prose, at least in translation. Um, It's just like, it's so exciting. It's one of these books that you can't put down um, even though the stakes are very local, you know? Yeah. And it was written, it was written in the late 19th century, right? So during the sort of general political decline that led to World War I, World War II, and stuff like that. So it's, it's very much about the world we live in today and how we got here. Yeah. Well, um, that's a really good niche yeah. um, book to recommend, but right? Mm-hmm. What yeah. would you wish more people would read? I mean, I'm yeah. intrigued. And he's having a bit of a renaissance. Yeah. Like, so can you say the name again for everyone out there? Uh, I'm not claiming to pronounce this correctly, but it's Jose Maria Echa de Queiroz. It's um, just look up the name ECA. That's how you spell Esha. Um, and the, the novel is called The Crime of Father Amaro. Okay. 
and his big his big novel was called the mayas m-a-i-a-s which is a family name um not a defunct mesoamerican civilization yeah. okay good so mary mary you're what right. is your choice uh i mean i have two um one is definitely for like true crime lovers so i would say the girl with the dragon tattoo by steak larson i was gonna say like trilogy. do you think more people need to read that but i actually haven't read it <laughs> so pitch it to me i mean it's a great book i i mean there's a new author that took over um i think it's Jason Kranz is his last name. Um, he's doing his own thing with it, which is, you know, totally up to him. But essentially, it starts out you meet Mikhail Blomqvist, who is this journalist who's basically being sued for libel. Essentially, he had a really crappy source who gave him information, which he based his story upon, and, you know, is now getting sued, essentially. Sure. Um, while this is all going on, there is... Um, this guy who's very rich and every year on his birthday he's been getting these pressed flowers mm. that only his niece who went missing God. gave him uh -oh. so he uh -oh. hires Mikhail Blomqvist to come and basically figure out what happened to his niece um everyone knows the story kind of by Liz Salander. she comes in as someone to help him and you find out that she actually did the research on Mikkel, which is why they picked him, because he passed a background check, if you will. And uh, yeah, I mean, and it's really good. There's a lot, it's a lot darker than that. Um, so definitely brace yourself. There is definitely violence, sexual violence. I mean, that's why I say true crime people, because you're kind of already prepared for that stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. If that's your thing, then yeah, definitely check out. Right. I, Okay. You have another. You have another. Yes, the other one I have, I read in college, and I'm like, I was obsessed with it. It's called Love and Other Demons by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, he's just, somebody. Everybody knows the like top two or three, but this is not. This is not no. that. I had to read him for a world literature class. Essentially, it's this idea, or not really this idea, but basically this girl who is born into this very wealthy family but yet doesn't live with them she was sent to live with the servants because the mother's a narcissist oh. um you know so um and she just starts like acting out and you know they're saying she got bit by a rabid dog and she might have rabies and this whole thing spirals and cycles into them thinking she's possessed by a demon Wow. Yeah, and then like she falls in love with a priest during her time while the quote unquote nuns, and I say quote unquote just because they're legit nuns, but they don't act like how nuns should act. Wait, so it's called Love and Love and Other Demons. Okay, I need to look this up because yeah, yeah when I think of Gabriel mm -hmm. Garcia Marquez, I think of 100 Years of Solitude. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. And Love in a Time of Color. Ah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is definitely Love in a Time of some right. corruption. Yeah. I mean, but it's a very it's it's short but it is so good oh these are good recommendations well you know and i think erica's are you ready to weigh in erica or do you need a little more time to uh oh, marinate? I'm, still I'm still trying to think i mean okay <laughs> we'll let her think we'll, we'll I, get ours I wanna, you we'll, know, we'll get erica's answer to our question at our, at our second anniversary <laughs> yeah next yeah, year, er, er, I, mean, I, I am the most indecisive person you know the first book that popped into my head was um um 
a poetry anthology that I read through with my kids. Um, but I'm not sure that that kind of go for it. Yeah, is my, yeah, is, what is, like, it? is the right answer? But go, the first thing, I mean, the first thing that answer. popped into my head was um, the poetry anthology that Caroline Kennedy edited. Um, I think it's poems to learn by heart or something like that. Um, and I loved it because it was, it, it represented such a range of styles and themes and different sort of eras in, in poetry and in writing. And I mean, um, it, it became sort of the reason that my oldest kid and I read um, the Midnight Ride of Paul Revere on um, on their birthday every year because their birthday is in fact the date mentioned in the poem and you know I, I'm a fan of anything that I'm a fan of anthologies in general because I like things that will expose people to different things that that you can read one great book and it's a great book but there's just it, you know it's the it's the anti-mame thing life is a banquet and most poor suckers are starving to death there's so much out there that I want to give everybody you know a chance to to sample all of it and yeah yeah it's a good approach to literature and life in general Erica um, no, thank you. I mean, I'm actually inspired by Erica's indecisiveness to offer a, a second work, if you guys don't mind. That's fine, yeah. Something I thought of, this is something that I've taught a couple of times, and each time I teach it, it gets richer. It's a novella by Chris Abani, A-B-A-N-I, who is this amazing figure. He started out in Nigeria. He's now, he now teaches um, English and writing in the United States. Uh, Song for Night is the story of child soldiers in an unnamed African country. It's not important which country, it's not important which side of the war they're on. They're just trying to survive. And it's, it's one of the darkest premises for a novel I've ever read, but it's got these moments of beauty that are so startling that like, it's, it's almost not fair. Right? It's one of those books that makes you want to be a writer and makes you not necessarily want to be a writer because anything that that needs to be written has already been written in a book like this. Like it's it's just it's just amazing. It's a like it's about how people who have lost their voice, literally in this case, can create their own language and can reclaim their sense of self. And I don't know what better recommendation there is than that. But yeah. except that I taught it and my students loved it, which is also a good recommendation. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I would say <clears throat> everyone who reads the website and the pieces and has listened to the podcast knows I love Call Me By Your Name so much. Yeah. But that would be my first Absolutely. choice. Just because I think the queer love philosophy is so important and the way that Asaman draws out desire in the novel. Mm. Another one kind of falls from Mary's um, dystopic type of approach, which is The Handmaid's Tale, because mm. everyone knows about The Handmaid's Tale. Right. But We've all seen the yeah, series. Like or the many series, of us you know, the red coats, like the symbolism right. is so popular. But I think as a novel, it's really powerful. 
so, to so let's, think about. Let's let's put a focus on that. What do you, what do you think? Because I mean, we all have answers to that question. Like like um, I mean, you chose two novels that have been made into very high profile films. Mm -hmm. So you can take them one at a time or both together. What do you think is a particular benefit of reading those novels versus watching those films? Yeah, so I think that Call Me By Your Name as a novel, the style is much more, um, it's an indecisive novel, meaning mm. you really are um, coming to terms with the love and the desire that Elio, the protagonist, sees in Oliver, mm. that it's, it really puts you in this mindset of how you process love yourself, things that the film really just can't do because of its technique. Yeah. I mean, it has to make very concrete ways of showing love and the act. Like, right, sometimes the physical act in the film is much more important than the actual psychology of why they're getting drawn to each other. So yeah, for the novel, I'm so into the, psych the psyche of the characters. Yeah, I would agree. Um, the, Andrew, of course, practices what he preaches. I read this novel this past year, well, with since, since we started the podcast. I don't know about this calendar year, but definitely since last August, on your insistence. And I was, I, it's one of those novels, I think, that carries you along because it's so, like there are very few people who are that good at, at translating how thoughts work in one's head onto the page and really make you feel like you're listening to someone's stream of consciousness, but not in a way that gets grating or annoying which will bring me to what's to come, something yeah. else. But, but I would say with The Handmaid's Tale, it's more about the way Margaret Atwood conveys everything that had happened in history is present in The Handmaid's Tale, right. even though it's not part of that century mm -hmm. or that decade and moment. And I think for me, I'm so drawn to the convention of her showing the injustices of a puritanical society or authoritarianism, like right. what the danger is for right. what this possible dystopic world that you know a lot of us really started to see was starting to have morsels of truth in our everyday lives. That it's a warning, it's a, you know, we all need to be vigilant. And right. I think for that, I really like the polemic aspect of it. But yeah, sure. so I'll ask our next question is. You're taking a sick day from work. What movie are you putting on? Why don't you go first? Yes, sure, sure. So again, we have, I have two choices because it's <laughs> that indecisiveness of us as our literary and artistic minds. Um, but I would definitely say, I would put on Miss Congeniality, mm. always. Because um, I love Sandra Bullock in it. Um, I can't get enough out of the Miss America concede, I think, all of the hijinks <laughs> of uh, Miss Rhode Island and like the crown being stolen from her by Sandra Bullock because, you know, it's actually going to self-destruct, uh, <laughs> but I won't give too much away, but Sandra Bullock is so good as the FBI agent, uh, Gracie Hart, and I just think all the acting in it is really well done. Um, and it's one of those where, right, you want to have a film that you know the beginning, middle, and end and mm -hmm. how it's going to impact you. And yeah. I always know it lifts me up. And mm -hmm. in a similar way, um, 
I had written Cruel Intentions, but now that I'm, <laughs> and I do, I really like the way Cruel Intentions, I think it's a great film, but as a day that I'm sick, I would probably put on Mean Girls before Cruel Intentions. Mm. So that works. Yeah, those are my choices. Mm. How about Erica? Since I know we didn't get to you right away with the last question. How about when you're sick, what movie do you put on? Do I have a migraine or something else? That's a, that's a fair question. Um, why, why don't you answer um, in both ways? When I have a migraine, I'm a big white noise person. It just it, always, I mean, all the time. So if I have a migraine, it's going to be films I can pretty much recite from memory that don't have too much, you know, action, nothing sci-fi, nothing with, you know, explosions or anything like that. Um, so, um, you know, with, with a migraine, it's going to be, I mean, things like Mean Girls or um, what else? I mean, Fair enough. Uh, the other day it was Legally Blonde. Mm -hmm. It's another good one. Yeah, I mean, like, is it anything that I've seen, Princess Diaries, anything Ooh. I've seen so many times, I can recite it from memory along with the movie. Uh, and no musicals when I'm sick, or when I have migraines, rather. Um, when I don't have a migraine and I've got, like, a, a, cold, a cold or something, um, Hmm. Oh. Oh, and when I have migraines, a lot of the time it's it's I I'm, I'm I guess in some ways I'm still a big just a big kid because I love you know the like the some of the tween movies aimed at tweens so you know Ramona at Beezus or something like that that's a that's a, a frequent choice. Um. I may have forgotten when I'm not sick. Oh, that's see, and that's going to depend. I am so fickle. Um, <laughs> most recently, when I when I had a cold, I was probably um, it might have been Robin in the Seven Hoods was the last one I I put on when I was a when I had a cold, um, which is a um. I don't know. I, I think so these are all good choices. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, are people familiar with Robin and the Seven Hoods with being you know, Frank Sinatra and the, the rap No, but now I'm going to look it up. So it's yeah. you know, it I, there, there's a whole there's a whole bunch of good ones. Um if you you know, um I wouldn't put it on when I have a cold, but if you you know, if you're if you're gonna explore my my weird movie, um my weird movies. Oh, and Kevin Smith movies, I'll I'll watch those a lot. Good. Um, okay. Often, but um, the Black Shield of Falworth. The what if now? You find, if you can find that one, you get Tony Curtis. Uh, Yonder lies the castle of my father. Uh, it is. These are, it, that it sounds, sounds that sounds adorable. It sounds very obscure, <laughs> but also it's like a quotable so, film once you start to become an avid fan. Yeah. So, it is totally quotable. It was, 
yeah, no, I, you know, are... it was one that was one that my parents showed us as a kid, along with you know things like the court jester and and other stuff. So I have I have fond associations of it. Um, Good, or, you know, well, so let's so, ask right, Mary. What film are you putting on when you're sick? Um, it's a movie that I've put on ever since I was a kid. It's Young at Heart with Doris Day and Frank Sinatra. Oh, wow. Okay. It's a really cute little, like, 1950s love-ish story. There's, like, a love triangle that goes on. And I've always just admired Doris Day's character just because she didn't seem like the conventional, like, oh, I need to get married. Like, I need to be a housewife, blah, 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 blah. Like, she actually does the unthinkable and leaves the person she should be with for someone else mm. who she's just more suited for. But it's the fact that she makes this choice so seemingly on her own, just because, well, you have to watch the movie, but it doesn't seem like in the beginning like that she's sold on this other person that everybody wants her to be with. Well, and so. we know where Doris Day has an illusion in, um Look at me, I'm Sandra Day. Yes. Because she's <laughs> supposed to be, right, that conventional, yes. like you're saying exactly. now, she didn't always play those characters. And mm -hmm. now I have to look she into that. She plays some hilarious characters in some movies, I swear. Mm. Yeah. If you look up her filmography, her. you'll find some really good comedies on there that yeah. are just... I was actually amazing. just watching an Audrey Hepburn film the other day, <laughs> and she's... She, I'd seen her movies, you know, ages ago, but I'd forgotten how funny she is. Like some of these people that you're used to seeing in the like designer gowns and stuff like that uh, in like black and white and magazines and stuff like that. And then you forget that they could, they could split, split your guts. Mm -hmm. They were hilarious. Like there's a reason why it was her. She was funny as hell. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so what's your film? Okay. So I have, like Erica, I have, two, I have at least two categories. For me, there's like the physically ill, and then there's the sort of down in the dumps. Physically ill, I don't know why, but ever, ever since like my first year of grad school, I got like seri a serious sort of stomach ache to the point where I couldn't, I couldn't go to class that day. No. And I put on Sweeney Todd starring uh, George Hearn and Angela Lansbury. Oh, the live version. Yeah. Okay. It's, so I don't know why it's that, that musical, I really couldn't defend it. And you should probably, you know, you should probably like dig up my mom's backyard just <laughs> just, to, just to make sure that there's nothing untoward buried yeah. there. Or just to make sure that life didn't imitate art and how much <laughs> you watched it. That's, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, like Toby? I, like I can't, I can't defend that choice. I just know that it like, Musically, it's one of the greatest things oh, I've ever written. Oh, it's such a good musical. It's so lush and and beautiful. And I, I sympathize with all of the characters up to a point. Yeah. I mean, I look at it as like someone who's worked in retail and just in customer service for a while. And just being like, <laughs> yes, finally. Right. Someone gets to do what we all wish we could, but can't. Yeah. I mean, maybe not that far. But be but careful you know. of those meat pies. <laughs> yeah. Well, thankfully, I'm a pescatarian, so I don't have to eat those meat oh, there's pies. A, so, oh, there's, there's, also, there's also a personal component to it, where um, I went to, I was, I was a counselor at a summer camp, and it was my job to design the flyer for the musical, which, of course, was Sweeney Todd. And so I put a fake advertisement in the flyer that said, brought to you by Mrs. Levitt's Meat Pies. <laughs> We don't serve pies, we serve customers. Oh my, <laughs> that's a good ad, right? That is a really good 
I've pat myself on the back so hard after I came oh up with God. that joke. I, I basically dislocated my elbow. Well, Adam, <laughs> it's not that kind of camp. Anyway, um, but that's a good, it's a good segue actually, Adam's point, because we now have to discuss what you've read that you disliked that everyone says you should read and they pressure you, but you just get to that end, or maybe you don't get to the end, and that's actually a testament to why you dislike Catcher it, so. in the goddamn rye. Oh, <laughs> Catcher in the goddamn rye. And Adam knows I love J.D. Salinger, so you can this love, hurts my heart. You can love J.D. Salinger as much as you want, as long as you keep it to yourself. Franny and Zooey Not that book, though. Franny's I mean, okay. Franny's okay. Franny's okay. Because it's because it's short, it's short enough that it doesn't get on your nerves. Yeah. More than 10 pages of JD Salinger. I've oh. got I've got to I've got to take a bathroom break so I can flush the book. Oh no. Oh my God. Well, we're have gonna have a discussion been? eventually about Jewish American literature. So maybe I'll take up the JD Salinger part. You, you, okay, Mary's, Mary's gonna do it with me. <laughs> you do what you need to do. I'm taking a sick day. Adam, have you read the short stories rather than the novels? Have you read his short stories, Adam? I've read some of them. Perfect. Oh. Uh, def I definitely remember enjoying A Perfect Day for Banana Fish. Oh, so you do like J.D. Salinger as an author? Occasionally. Occasionally. Okay. In, in short, in small doses. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say- I respect somebody... his craft. I will just never enjoy reading Catcher in the Rye because it's it just great. Like, I yeah. Okay, well, let's ask Erica. I'm gonna, I'm I don't want you to stay minute. in that energy. Too I'm going to need a minute. So, Erica, what book is it for you? I, I want to just finish my thought because, um, but I, I would never recommend Catcher in the Rye to an adult who was trying to read Challenger for the first time. I can see why they give it to kids, but I, I, I know what Adam is, is getting I at. Formed I formed this opinion at age 14. Okay, sorry, we have to we have to move on a little just because we do I'm have gonna, an event coming up soon. So and I'm gonna probably write no. about Catcher in the Rye for Band Books Month and or Band Books Week anyway. So yeah, so we will get back to this. We'll uh, get back to that. You know, but petty argument. No. Okay. <laughs> okay, so Erica, what book is it for you? Good grief. Uh, you want things that I things that things that I I, I mean the the, the the, the books that you all, or the authors that you all probably hear me complain the most about, and I mean, everybody knows that I, I despise Philip Roth, um, just absolutely, you know, keep those books far away from me, <laughs> um, which, you know, which is funny because it, it you know, in terms of sort of his stream of consciousness style it's it's valuable in influencing my own voice i just can't stand his books yeah no, i can i could see that yeah um yeah so okay well that's a and, you know that's a whole author indictment no, absolutely. Oh, well you know as yeah, philip roth would say you're full of indignation well it's it is ironic that he is so much beloved by like high school teachers and stuff like that, since he definitely shouldn't be allowed within 500 feet of a school. <laughs> but okay, so Mary, what's your- Belleville, you know, I, I, I kind of am riding on the same boat as Erica with an author, um, pretty much anything by James Baldwin. I just have a really ouch. hard time. It's not that I don't like his work. It's yeah. just, it's very hard to read. And I sit there and I go, this is beautiful. But for whatever reason, I don't want to read this. Yeah, I think I'd rather listen to it on Audible. But it's definitely frustrating when you like 
write it all down on paper and you go, okay, yeah, so this author writes this way. He does a really good job this way. I love how he tells stories. But then it's like, I literally can't read your work. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's such a conundrum. No, it makes fair. sense. That's fair. Yeah, and he, it's a I difficult task with Baldwin. And that's what I'm saying, Mary. I'm getting Mary to listen to Just Above My Head. Because yeah, it's a really good listen. I think that'll be better if I do yeah. it via audio. Yeah, and because he's such a stream of consciousness writer, the audio really helps you actually understand the timeline with mm. the dramatization, Yeah, I think. I have the same problem with Ulysses. Every time I've tried oh. to read Ulysses, it just hasn't, it hasn't worked. Yeah, well, yeah, mine isn't, the whole author, mine is kind of similar to Adam with, um, you know, J.D. Salinger in certain genres where mine is Ernest Hemingway, that I really do not enjoy A Farewell to Arms. Um, sorry, and sorry. I understand its importance. And again, I kind of enjoyed what he's going for. I enjoy the theme, but it's just not my taste. Yeah. Like, I don't like the way Hemingway portrays women. Mm, um, yes. is my big thing That's probably but like yeah but when I read um, The Old Man in the Sea I really enjoyed his conventional style there yeah. because it was short and he got to the point and <laughs> yeah and yeah, I, and I like the symbolism mm -hmm. I think he's a really good writer just yeah. you know I will keep him in Key West with a farewell to arms because I am. And his five toe cats. Yeah, exactly. So okay. we got to our full questionnaire. So we now have done the task. We're excited because all of the attendees have the option to fill out the questionnaire. So hopefully you will be seeing within the few weeks so much blast from us with different people's answers. And, um, you know, we will have such an exciting opportunity to have so many more voices present. So yeah. we are actually going to put a bookmark in this <laughs> and we are each hosting our own event. So Erica has a team with her doing it virtually, Tiffany and um, Cameron, and you will actually get to see their event soon on our website um, and hopefully YouTube. Um, you will get to see our in-person event too with Mary, Adam, and I, um, and there's so much excitement. So thank you, Erica. It was so good to check in with you before the events begin. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for you to include me. Yeah. And we're going to raise a glass at 830 together. So here's yes. to our 830 raising a glass, celebrating a year, celebrating hopefully 10 years eventually. Um, and we thank you all out there for those of you who are donating. Don't worry. We are actually going to start reading your names when you donate to us um, during our podcast. So we thank you for the support. It means a lot. We have so many exciting events. I know this is each just impacting the kind of creativity we all have and the communities we work in, whether it's from nannying to being at a Hebrew school to um, being a COVID tracer to... Um, working at Stony Brook to um, talking about what it means to be a disabled person. Um, it's just so amazing that this collective happened. But again, we couldn't do it unless we had people actually listening and reading and contributing. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you all. Happy birthday to all of us, but happy birthday to all of you out there. That's right. And we'll put our bookmark in it.
The following is the in-person open mic event that took place at Words Matter Bookstore. We begin with Marco Romeo reading his poem. Enjoy, everyone. My name is Marco Romeo. I'm just going to do one quick piece for you this evening, and then I'll be on my way. I can't wait to see what everyone else has. Um, before I really get into it, um, I used to be a student in special ed. Um, though I'd get all the way to Z just fine. <laughs> Why? Why did they sing with me? What, couldn't wait till next time, I guess? Why am I not? <laughs> Retrospections in my ear, though, wondering if it was all so no one pulled their hair out count of my awareness or lack thereof. Well, some selflessly turned back their time till I was able to tell we were behind. The rest seemed content pointing to the sun at a pit stop on another run through the motions. True or not, I, I was plenty capable of doing whatever they wanted me to get someone else to do. But more than a few Noted, I don't talk good like they expected. Rather, I verbalize succinctly in a manner they'd yet to envisage. Don't even try. Don't even think about taking credit speech therapy. Though by all means, step on up. Whoever felt this sounded like a guy who breaks everything right now. So I can let it be known. My back got a whiff of the breath here. Jesus, couldn't stay under, bro. When I'm in sight, you smile wide like we're tight. My, my periphery can't help but notice that my periphery can't help but notice that wide gape on your stare, all blank, wondering, wait, what's Mark doing? I told him to leap his feet. Come only that high and tell him your poor guy probably doesn't know he has one head, let alone three. Yeah, tell that to my neck, all sore from going back and forth. Like, don't peek, don't peek. Come on, fellas, work with me, work with me. That's why sorry trembles out hushed, if at all. I don't want to sound nuts if I'm on the spectrum, comes out like. I'm on the spectrum, very good. Or maybe it's on you, Mark. You remember in language arts when your shoulders curved and vertebrae swayed to the beat of Miss Adario differentiating sentence and phrase, huh? It wasn't even my jam. You know what? Suck it up. Fix your stride, high five that hand you're taller than for pouring water in a cup all by yourself. Or maybe pat your back when you excel. It's 2021, all areas are brain now. Just erase that assumption. Your brain's no bigger than the short bus you never took. Wow. A guy who breaks everything just might fix their mouths. All I need is a shadow walking over down. I know a guy 
Thank you so much. Follow me I'm on Instagram at Marco Romeo Poetry. That's M A R C O R O M E O Poetry. All one thing. Thank you so much once again. Thank you so much. That was extraordinary. Um, for any anybody who just walked in, um, make sure that you sign up if you want to. And our next uh, our next poet is Sophia Kolieski from Sicklerville. Too sure how to like read with my papers. Do you want me to hold the Can you hear me? Right? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. Everybody? Yeah. Okay, I'll just read that. Okay. Okay. Can you hear me, guys? Yeah. Okay, awesome. So this is called The Five Realizations in Art Therapy. The therapist says, draw your body without drawing a body. One. I sketch my body all the time in ink on crumpled paper, never able to portray it exactly the way I need. Perfect. I let the ink seep out onto my blank sheet in puddles, glancing at everyone else's papers. Blank. I ask for another sheet. Two. My next creation is a tree. Branches spiraling everywhere. They wind, wind, wind around the wilting tree. My friend sketches a circle, colorful on the rim and dark in the center. Her crayon scribbles, 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 around, around, around. My branches continue to spawn, not a single leaf on them. Three, as our therapist kindly declines me another piece of paper, I stare at my piece so long my eyes hurt. The blob has taken over a whole sheet. No one speaks, yet the room is filled with our voices. Ugly, this is not good enough. I can't do this. Ugly, how many calories was lunch? Four. I know art is meant to be beautiful, yet I have counted all the wrongs I could possibly find. My heart sinks when I think of all I have created, and I do not simply mean the bare tree. I have stripped it of all its beauty, all the colors, seasons, growth. My friend exits the room. She makes her blobs new home the trash can. Five, draw your body without drawing a body. I replay these words like a broken record. We file out of the room, handing off our canvases for tomorrow's discussion. On the way out, I snatch the blob while no one's looking. Its colors remind me of the stars, the moon in a night sky. Draw your body without drawing a body. This time I play it again. I listen closer. Draw yourselves as something you find beautiful. Thank you so much. Our next reader, reciter, is Sean Wolf from Deptford, New Jersey. Hi, everybody. So um, this poem is called On Butterfly Wings. Love finds you on butterfly wings. Like the wind finds the rain, so does the caterpillar, the tree. Love hides, gone from the mind, like the moon skips behind. Clouds on a navy night, giving the stars a chance to shine. Love can be a monarch, an emperor who decrees you care about yourself as much as you do me. 
Love can be out of sight, a presence better felt than seen. Like a butterfly, an angel can fly without ever seeing their wings. Sean. Next we have Kathy Rimley from Sewell, New Jersey with teachers. Oh, this is the bonus, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> So those are my parents. So. <laughs> teachers, teachers paint their minds and guide their thoughts, share their achievements and advise their faults, inspire a love of knowledge and truth as you light the path which leads our youth. For our future brightens with each lesson you teach, each smile you lengthen, each goal you help reach. For the dawn of each poet, each philosopher and king begins with the teacher and the wisdom they bring. Um. I'm David Ruby. <laughs> I'm reading a poem uh, in a collection from the anthology of poems, Corona, uh, published by the Walt Whitman Birthplace Association. Taken Away by Paula Camacho. All the little amusements, baseball, basketball, hockey, crowded movie theaters, Broadway shows, birthday party, weddings, shopping at Macy's and Bloomingdale's, eating at restaurants, gin martinis and Bloody Marys, hugging grandma and grandpa, the privileges taken for granted, taken away by the power of a microscopic being that humbles us all. Um, if you, if your name is not on this list and you would like to read a poem, either of your own devising or not, please come find me in between, um, and don't be shy, or be shy, but still do it. <laughs> um, Also, write clearly. You know who you, you know who you are, aspiring doctors. Uh, I'm fairly sure this says Sarah Orby. Ortiz. Now I know Sarah Ortiz. <laughs> Setting.
It's the new year. Positive resolutions, high hopes, fill the space around our nurses. And up to the point, they slip off and we believe it'll change. With the change of a digit and an empty bottle in hand, we proclaim that this is our year as we did the last one and the one before that. And, the one, and probably the year before that as well. Though it is hard to remember a year we were swimming in, when you were swimming in Baca and people. Either you, either you could remember their names. Then, it's, then it sets in. It's just a change of a digit. You barely made it out of January, and you can't feel the and you can feel the news type, the news typing. Then it sets in. Oh, sorry, I should have read this beforehand. The new year has come with the same flaws as the last one. Where did our high hopes go? It's March before you know it, the rain of April comes with lost notions that things will change. Rope feels the same as last year. May, June, July, who cares about August? It's too hot to change who I am. Let's just move, let's just move the chair over here. September comes with signs of Christmas all too early. What if I stand on that chair? October, November, and who wants to remember December? The holidays are here. You rock the chair back and forth between eggnog and Aunt Rita's creepy hugs. You don't have that on. <laughs> Today is the day I let the chair fall. 31 turns to New Year's Day. Maybe this could be my year. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sarah. Uh, next, we have Julia Cassell from, from Washington Township with Lighthouse in Disuse. Thank you. Thank you. Um, my name is Julia Cassell, and I'll be reading a piece called Lighthouse in Disuse. Rotten wood, faded paint, these unsteady base beams support nothing but long dead dreams. The fence says stay out, nobody listens. Windy staircase, moth-eaten lace, curtains or discarded wedding dress, lantern room untended, shattered glass. This harbor sees no more ships. Even the ghosts have all gone home. Only the reckless youth still howled. Julia Castle. And next we have Diana Vereen. Hey, everybody. <laughs> How we doing? Good. It's so cool to be back in a space with poetry. It really is. Um, and this is the first time that I've been in this space. And it's really cool. I will come back. <laughs> a bit nervous. Goodness. It's been so long since I've read things and sentences. Hold on. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Work is needed. Great. Um, so yeah, I'm Diana. 
And uh, this is a little ditty called Water Scribbles. I keep trying to write you a love poem, but the ink keeps dissolving to water. So maybe I'll keep it in a kettle, give it back to metal and fire. There's the movement of to give and the movement of to take and the movement of to open. It is all right to cry yourself open. It is all right to give the water back. It is all right to take the song and hold it. It is encouraged to use this poem as canvas. It is just fine to set this poem aflame. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was Diana. Next is Abby Haley from Washington Township with the orange. Mm -hmm. Hi. Um, maybe everybody knows this poem already. It's the orange by Wendy Cope, but I really like it. So at lunchtime, I bought a huge orange. The size of it made us all laugh. I peeled it and shared it with Robert and Dave. They got quarters and I got a half. And that orange, it made me so happy as ordinary things often do. Just lately, the shopping, a walk in the park, this is peace and contentment. It's new. The rest of the day was quite easy. I did all of the jobs on my list and enjoyed them and had some time over. I love you, I'm glad I exist. All right, we're back. Uh, we're going to kick things off with Andrew reading a poem by Walt Whitman called Shut Not Your Doors. Andrew is from Washington Township. Yes, I am. And he, he's, he's one of the hosts. You've seen him. <laughs> Thank you all. So I teach Whitman. I actually, quick little journey. I'm not going to take up a lot of time because I want to hear from all of you. That's what's important. But yes, I graduated Washington Township High School class of 2011, went to Kane University and studied literature, graduated 2014. And this is my last year of my dissertation at Stony Brook. And I work on Walt Whitman. Oh, thank you. Um, I work on Walt Whitman and Oscar Wilde mostly and do queer poetics. Um, so I get to teach another Whitman course in the fall. And I'm actually going to connect it to The Great Gatsby, Passing by Nella Larson, and The Vanishing Half. So a lot of it. Oh, and Hairspray. Sorry, can't forget that. I'm a musical fan. Um, I actually auditioned with Mary, our chief contributor, at the Broadway Pittman Theater a few years, many years ago. Um, so this is Shut Not Your Doors. And I'm actually really happy the doors open because Whitman would like this. Um, so here it is. Shut not your doors to me, proud libraries, for that which was lacking on all your well-filled shelves, yet needed most, I bring forth from the war emerging, a book I have made, the words of my book, nothing, the drift of it, everything, a book separate, 
not linked with the rest nor felt by the intellect. But you, ye untold latencies, will thrill to every page. Walt Whitman. Well, I want to thank Walt Whitman, who we all know from the bridge, but you know, a celebrated <laughs> poet. Um, and also, if you don't have Leaves of Grass, Carol has it in her collection. So, you know, if you haven't seen her poetry collection, it's pretty spectacular in the back. Um, okay, so now I'll hand it back to Adam. So, I was actually gonna, this is, forecasting for later, but I was actually going to read a poem from another uh, book that Carol has in the back, um, Walt Whitman, not Walt Whitman, the, other, the yeah. descendant of Walt Whitman, Allen Ginsberg's Howl and Other Poems, but somebody went and bought it. I got it. <laughs> Can I borrow it? Yeah. <laughs> I, was gonna, I was just going to ask. You told me why. I, early. I tell everybody why. This, this is one of my favorite. <laughs> um, later, but I, I will. I'll get this back to you. Um, pass me the notebook. Sorry. All right. So our next volunteer, in quotes, because. Um, because this, this took some convincing, and, and so everybody give him a really warm welcome, is Chandler Touchstone. Williamstown with PTSD. That's the name of the poem. Just to clarify, this is not an explicit piece, so no career warnings. It is just um, it's just about me. Uh, so about five years ago, I actually got diagnosed with uh, PTSD. And it is very scary to be diagnosed with an acronym, let alone something so broad um, on its own. So there were a lot of things about me that I did not know if I needed to redefine or if I needed to, to be whole again. So I decided to write this piece about you know, redefining this to better me, so. This boy tries to be novel, unaware he is a novelty. Time turns these bones into fossils, revolutionary dissolves into elementary. He's set inside his element, he settles at the sediment made of smooth stones, this boy skipped on the Delaware that sinks such more slowly than his stomach. I fear the inevitable, of irrelevancy, seeing I'm not a poet, just a tricky scumbag dying. PTSD, prior thoughts screamed deliberately, telling me the Delaware runs warmer than my veins. There's a chill down my spine and a lash in my eye that's harder than the ones I get beating myself up. PTSD, playing spiritual darkness. I wonder if the Delaware has beauty, not for its history, but for how much trash it takes. PTSD, <laughs> PTSD, uh, yeah, I forgot my lines. <laughs> PTSD, people try so desperately to wash their fears away. But this ain't the Jordan. You can't bathe seven times or seven times, seven times for the spots dissipate. PTSD, please try to slam the door on your way out so something in this house shakes harder than me. But I'm tired. 
of seeing my reflection in the reverberation of that old oak door. So that's why I sneak to the clean glass window at night to sleep. I never seem to settle in this riverbed. How can this boy's words hit when he can't seem to still the shaking hand that throws the ball? Maybe if he tags the broadside of a barn, his sentences will stick. He keeps going to the river to pray for what to say, but the current sweeps his words away before they even matter. They say silence is gold, but when you sit the silt searching for it, the sound scares it away. But four letters, four ambiguous letters do not spell my end. Just because I'm not fresh doesn't mean I'm not alive. Just because I'm soft-hearted doesn't mean I don't impact. And just because I'm afraid doesn't mean I'm not brave. Perhaps these silly demands I make for myself are permutations of that single desire to love and to be loved. I'm not a fraud, a lexicon artist. I'm just a pretty thoughtful soul developing, persistently taking some demanding problems that some don't possess the strength to deal with on their own. Not so I shine, but so you do. PTSD, purposely trying to swim the Delaware to get to the side where you are. Thank you. Our uh, next we have Mary DePippi from Blackwood, New Jersey with something for them. Just so you know, Carol has this in the back on the poetry table. It's um, I Would Leave Me If I Could by Halsey. This is to remind you that you are a lover, that you melt at a glance, at a touch, that you are a baby, you are soft and fragile, and you need someone to tell you that everything is going to be okay, that you are an idiot, and you are going to mess up one million times the rest of your life. But this is to remind you that you are a statue, gilded in marble, and there is white lightning in your eyes. Change shape, give in. As we said before, Mary is our chief contributor at the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Um, anybody who has questions about writing for the blog can, of course, come to any of the three of us, but especially to Mary. And also, if you want to nerd out about true crime, <laughs> shame on you, but, but, talk, but talk to Mary about it. There's, there's hope. <laughs> maybe. maybe. <laughs> um, what time is it? Yeah, five minutes. All right. Um, so, let's go into some Ginsburg. Oh, I'm Adam Katz. Um, Andrew and I co-founded this blog, well, the podcast about a year ago. And that's partly why we're here. The other part is because of Carol. Thank you, Carol. Thank you, Carol. Um, 
I was at a loss for finding a, I, I knew I wanted to read Ginsburg, but I also had the, had the idea that I was going to read like one of the less pornographic ones. <laughs> so you be the judge if I succeeded. This is called Song and it's from, it's hard. It's really difficult to find one. I think I did. Um, this is called Song and it's from Howl and Other Poems. Song. The weight of the world is life. Under the burden of solitude, under the burden of dissatisfaction, the weight, the weight we carry is love. Who can deny in dreams it touches the body, in thought constructs a miracle, in imagination anguishes till born, in human looks out of the heart burning with purity, for the burden of life is love. But we carry the weight wearily. So must rest in the arms of love at last. Must rest in the arms of love. No rest without love. No sleep without dreams of love. Be mad or chill, obsessed with angels or machines. The final wish is love. Cannot be better cannot deny, cannot withhold, if denied, the weight is too heavy, must give for no return, as thought is given, in solitude, in all the excellence of its excess, the warm bodies shine together in the darkness, the hand moves to the center of the flesh, the skin trembles in happiness, and the soul comes joyful to the eye. Yes, yes, that's what I want. I always want. I always wanted to return to the body where I was born. I actually want to share with you guys a poem that I wrote when I was about 20. Um, and it was written to an assignment. So you'll actually, you'll see how the assignment works from how I recited. Um, it's called Waves. Through the sea, that is always waiting, passing over and fading out from the shore. Sailor goes home along the long road, goes away up the hill and back down. He opens once, once more the gate to his wife's house. And opens once more the gate to his wife's house and goes away up the hill and back down. The sailor comes home along the long road, passing over and fading out from the shore through the sea that is always waiting. Yep. We now are turning to the virtual open mic night. We begin with Tiffany Sua explaining how she came to the ivory tower boiler room. We hope you all enjoy. And I came to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room through Mary, who is, you didn't see her much um, on the live stream because she was the one behind the camera uh, while Andrew and Adam were up front talking. But uh, Mary and I were um, getting our MFA together at Southern New Hampshire University. That's where I met Mary. And then uh, she joined Erica and Adam and Andrew for the writing group and invited me one day and 
Um, it's just been exceptionally wonderful, even though I'm doing more teaching these days than writing. Um, I've made friends and I really enjoy my time with them and I do occasionally manage to contribute something to the blog. So um, hopefully that continues. Okay, Cameron, you're up. Oh, okay, my turn. Uh, cool. Uh, so yeah, my name is Cameron Martin. Um, I'm sort of very loosely affiliated with um, with I reach our, our boiler room. Um, I think I've said that out loud uh, much. That's a, that's a mouthful. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I just, uh, I think actually Andrew followed me on Twitter and then I listened to an episode of the podcast and um, sort of began like Twitter DMing with uh, both Adam and Andrew um, and wrote a blog post for, for the blog. And uh, yeah, that's, that's about it. But they, you know, very, um, graciously uh, asked me to help um post uh tonight um for some reason um so here I, here I am um and i'm a i'm a poet um and essayist um i live in uh, moscow idaho um and i'm uh gonna be a first year uh mfa candidate in poetry at the university of idaho so yay very cool Okay, uh, I'm going to introduce AK. Um, AK, A. Kaiser, PhD, is a translator, scholar, and the Pushcart Prize nominated author of Glint, co-winner of the Milk and Cake Pressbook Prize. AK's recent work won the Women's National Book Association Poetry Prize is included in Sonora Review's special edition on gender violence, Extinction, and in Pen and Brushes in print number five. She knows about the Ivory Tower Boiler Room because she was lucky enough to meet Andrew and this thanks to Walt Whitman. That is wonderful. Um, <laughs> that's a great introduction. Hi. Um, yeah, well, I had, um... Um, a few ideas, um, but since I'm new to the group, I just thought, well, there, I have a couple, um, maybe just one poem would be enough, and then um, I could give the floor to someone else. So this is called Run. If I ran into you now, would the pellet weight between my legs disappear into spurious sublimation? child talk and facts of life, by which I mean the administration of. I came back animated, the cold, wafting snow, denial runs so deep. Awake as he was, high on 48 hours of almost non-sleep, I undressed for him and he remained he throughout. Transference more powerful than one person on a couch and one behind her on an easy chair. Super silent, super ego seated, the babbling subconscious laid out flat below. You gave me a glance to horizon. I had illicit salt you were afraid to carry. Daily life, its fabric insistent on my skin. Running to please, to help rest. Last night's untying of tongues with a poet, a friend. I have letters to write and submissions to send. Life, subliminal, 
liminal, and we all crossing lines, moving targets. Thanks. Thank you for sharing. That was wonderful. Yes, round of applause. That was great. Thanks. Thank you for sharing that. I would like to read my favorite uh, Rudyard Kipling poem. It's not nearly as exciting as those that have been shared up to this point, but um, I go back to it occasionally when I need that touchstone, you know, to um, stay on course in life in general. Um, and it's his poem that's called If. You've probably heard it. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired by waiting or being lied about, don't deal in lies or being hated, don't give way to hating and yet don't look too good nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same, if you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them up with worn out tools. If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they're gone and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can walk with crowds and keep your virtue or walk with kings, nor lose the common touch. If neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you, but none too much. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And, which is more, you'll be a man, my son. <laughs> you know I, I read that poem more times than I can count because it keeps getting assigned and people share it all the time and post it and you know write yep. their own takes on it and 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 so on and so on and so on but I'm not sure that I've ever listened to it read aloud before really yeah it seems to um, get more poignant each year that I get older. <laughs> I think that's why I keep going back to it. <laughs> With age comes wisdom, right? <laughs> you know, you, people say that and, and every once in a while it seems that way and then, you know, <laughs> if wisdom means knowing that I know a lot less than I am supposed to know or that, you know, people expect me to know. Uh -huh. <laughs> and yeah. 
<laughs> right, exactly. Dr. Kipling, did you say, or Dr. Kaiser, I'm sorry, I, I just read Kipling. <laughs> no, it said Dr. Kipling. Dr. Kaiser, did you say you had another poem you wanted to share? Um, sure, yeah, I can share another one. And thank you for Brilliant. that reading. It was lovely. I feel oh. like um, I've only heard and seen bits and pieces and I'm sure I've never heard it read in completion. So that was good. And thank I you. appreciate the rhyme scheme even more presented as a whole. Yes, yes. There's some interesting rhyming, rhyming going on in there. Um, uh, yeah, um, let me read this since we, um, a lot of us are on the East Coast and um, uh, has to do with uh, environment and climate change and, um, and so-called nature um, as opposed to human. It's called Far Rockaways. And there's an epitaph to quote, I saw the fins and thought they were dolphins. Then they started swimming in circles. So I called the alarm. Fabiano, Far Rockaways lifeguard. <clears throat> Excuse me. The nonstop whistle, 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 breathe, whistle, the first sign. A wave of bathing suits crashing to shore, the second. Someone overestimating their heart, swimming out too far, a swarm of jellyfish. Sandy shocked rockaways still under reconstruction years later. A visual to the sonaric alarm, stretch of tousled boardwalk planks, lineup of emergency trailer trucks lined up too late. Lifeguards in orange, mildly tan from a mild summer. Hushed horde of beachcombers prowling like panthers or monks, stealthily and all along the beachfront, plain spot the shark. Each foot gingerly, succinctly placed on the sand and lifted one or the other off for a sharp something. The beach still laden from October 2012 winds and waves that ate all the shells like Cronus, his children newly chewed, spat out in violet edges, crushed crusts of gold. It wasn't long before the phones were fetched and an occasional prehistoric camera set against someone's salty walking eye, finger pointing and risks of water logging everywhere. Wrinkled gray of water, clouded sun, Charcoal fins never out of sight. No speech save there, there they are. Two lovers erect and curved on an Atlantic swim stroll. They followed the shoreline for a good mile, letting us in on their back and fin intimacy, then headed out of reach further out to sea. Thank you. That was really lovely, thank you. Thanks. Thank you. I assume since I'm now duplicated, somebody just jumped in from the live event. So- Yes, I noticed that you were cloned and it's yeah. Adam. <laughs> don't, don't, be, don't, be, um, don't be fooled by the name. I'm. I'm here incognito. <laughs> I'm running from the plus. 
Uh, <laughs> welcome to our little People online still poetry use reading. Oh, how's it going, guys? We've been listening and sharing and, and chatting. How about you? Pretty much the same. <laughs> uh, with less comfortable seating. So, I asked Adam to to pop in. Adam had and um, Adam and I have been working together for nine nine months, something like that. Um, and uh, is that what it is? Something like that. Yeah, um, I mean that's appropriate. Um, it's an appropriate length of time for us to be working before you <laughs> recite your first poem amidst I, yeah, I, crying I, and possible drug use. <laughs> crying and what? Possible drug use. <laughs> uh, I um yeah, you know, I had that, that thought the other the other day that, you know, it's taken it's taken that long to, you know, give birth to something that I'm willing to sit out here and, and read right um but i had asked adam to to you know pop his head in for moral support when when it was time for me to share because this is all kind of you know new and different um so um so this is this is um um untied um and uh, here we go. Um, I learned how to tie shoes when I was five, and I was huddled in my best friend's bedroom, two houses down and across the street from my house. Each of us knew how to do half the job. We didn't plan it that way. It just happened when they were trying to teach us the whole thing. I went first and showed her how to cross, tuck, and pull it tightly. And she showed me make a loop, wrap it around and pull it through. We practiced together all day until we could both do it. Not too long after that, she moved away and wasn't two houses down and across the street. The first street I was allowed to cross alone anymore. Sometimes we still call or text and once in a while we get together. There are some things your friends teach you that you don't forget. And so some 40 years after I learned from my best friend how to tie my shoes, I am hearing my friends tell me to take up space. I think they're trying to teach me how because they tell me things like I have a right to exist and that it's okay to be angry. They tell me that they think I have a voice and that they want to hear what I'm saying. I'm still looking around to see who they're talking to because I'm pretty sure it can't be me. Nobody ever taught me how to write a poem. The teachers told me this is a poem, a sonnet, a haiku, a limerick, and this is how the pieces fit together. 14 lines, 10 syllables. These are your choices for rhymes. Three lines, 17 syllables, five, seven, five, five lines, three long, two short, make us laugh and stay the fuck away from Nantucket. Now write. Someone shows you the poet's tools and tells you about meter and metaphor, the technical words like prosody and synecdoche, 
Words like antithesis slither across the page and onomatopoeia marches on by. And then they carve all the fun away. You don't throw the words on the poetry wheel and let them spin while you mold them carefully, feeling their texture and their meaning in your hands while you are inhaling the scent and something incredible takes shape. And that thing, your incredible thing will be set to dry. And when it's rested and dried, you go back and finish it with final flourishes of glaze until it is just right. They tell you who, what, when, where, how there are rules. And I'm sitting here with this broken down body that doesn't do what I want it to anymore. And remembering the power that words had the night a lover watched me dance. And when I stopped to catch my breath and drink ice cold water fraying from the fountain, he whispered to me, I love to watch you move. You look like you're at home in your body. And he devoured me with his eyes the way I gulped down water. And in one sentence, I understood how words can take up space just like a body. And sometimes my poems have feet and those feet kick or stomp or dance. And my feet might wear sneakers that light up or fuzzy socks. Or sometimes they are bare naked and dirty and ragged with or without glittering toenail polish. And sometimes they will wear shoes that are too big or fancy shoes that are out of season, but they will not wear the fitting high heels that someone else insists are right for the occasion. And when other people read my words, those feet might wear uncomfortable shoes that can cause blisters and calluses. I learned how to tie my shoes and I learned how to walk in high heels. High heels I wore because someone else said I was supposed to wear them. And now it's time for me to go barefoot. Who's next? Somebody? Anybody? Cameron, didn't you have a, another a second Hello. poem? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, actually, I think um, I'm going to read a different one after, after that. Uh, speaking of taking up space and also sonnets, um, I... Uh, have a, a little um, sequence that I, I've been working on for a while um, that is finally coming out, I think also in September. Um, I, I'm calling it a, a Burger King crown because um, it is not a, not a full crown of sonnets. It is just, you know, three three sonnets and they're also like, there's no rhyme scheme, et cetera. So they're made of paper, um, I suppose. But anyway, um, it, it, I, I think you might, you might appreciate this, Erica. So, um, okay. thank, you for, thank you for reading. Uh, Burger King Crown. Um, the fat man fills his gas tank, his mouth with salad, celery, cookies, breadsticks, protein shake. The fat man does what he wants. Jumping jacks, jack shit, calisthenics, kinky shit, magic tricks, runs around in circles just for kicks. The fat man doesn't pass diet, doesn't diet, rests his large arms on his broad belly and smiles. The fat man wears sweatpants, crop tops, booty shorts, dangly earrings, horizontal stripes, a bumblebee brooch. The fat man takes up space. The fat man deserves to, steps back and need not shrink. The fat man spins around a pivot point, round and round and roundly around he goes, where he stops the world swirls itself, pretty, gentle, soft. The fat man folds his laundry, his thong underwear and tube socks, whistles somewhere over the rainbow while he works. While he works somewhere over the rainbow, whistles itself in his ear. There's a land, there's a land, there's a land. So the fat man breaks every mirror he sees. 
fuck bad luck longing and makes a mosaic from all the shimmery sharp shards his uh for his house's facade the fat man looks out the open window naked glinting and the neighbors don't mind the fat man wants a word would like to speak to the manager of metaphor the fat man brushes his teeth bloody forgets to gets gingivitis gets cavities gets them filled brushes his teeth more regularly and that's that the fat man still doesn't floss, drink enough water, send his mother birthday cards. The fat man sings himself and there's a hole in my bucket, highway to hell and believe, baby one more time and Cardi B. The fat man admires his breasts, does dishes, calls his sister. The fat man goes about his business unmolested. Going about his business unmolested, the fat man feeds the meter, the laundromat dryer, his ego, himself. The fat man's pants slip down insistently, just enough to show his ass crack. And no one notices, makes plumber jokes, says a thing, or shames him into buying one more belt that just won't work. The fat man gets fucked, fucks, is fought over, eats ass, has his ass eaten, is desired, is satisfied, is wanted, is all good. The fat man does not forsake the chocolate shake, the brown butter sauce, the barbell, the dumbbell, the many heavy weights. The fat man frowns sometimes. His face does not freeze like that. The fat man is fat and knows it and says so, and no one ever tells him he isn't in an attempt to be nice as if to say, but I like you. And the fat man fits as intended into every article at the Goodwill while the fat man is more fat, is less fat, is as fat, is just as fat, is just as fat, and it was good. That's that. that was that was great. Thank you. Oh, thank you. That's it great. felt like the right poem to read next. I yeah. I hope that that you'll let it, you'll share it. You'll let us put it up on the blog sometime with your other one. Um, I would love that. Um, thank you. This poet is my daughter, Camille, and. Uh, she is a master's student at Emporia State University where she is studying art therapy, um, which is like other forms of therapy, only uh, this one is primarily through the use of art. Um, so she'll work with uh, children who um, have emotional difficulties or uh, veterans with PTSD or, um, yeah. That's her goal. And uh, <laughs> she is going to read one of her original poems and Camille, take it away. Hi. Hi. Um, I hope you can hear me. I'm in the sunroom of my house, so I hope my roommates aren't too loud, but um, I wrote a poem a while ago. It was in 2019 that I actually wrote it, but I had gone through a really horrible, horrible breakup the first year of my college. I'd been dating a boy for long-term and he, once we moved away from each other and I was at college on my own, he became very controlling, very mean. Uh, abuse is a, is a rough word, but it definitely wasn't love and a rough patch of that. And this poem I'm about to read is the it's about the night that I finally like broke things off with him. Um, I may have to turn my camera off because the poem is on my phone. So I don't know if you'll be able to see me if I 
swipe away from the app, but um, I will go and read that. It's called, oh, let me turn my camera off. Okay, do one thing at a time. It is called The Night I Shattered in Order to Be Reborn. So I will start. I've rarely felt the burn of true emotion, raw and uncontrollable. It blazes as the fire in my chest and it bleeds into the tears cascading down my face. It's a shot of adrenaline at first, a heightened heart rate with deep, quickened breathing. It's pacing across the room mixed with hateful words and apologies to those unfortunately witnessing. It's the pure thunder-like echoing of disappointment in myself for falling back into the trap. Admitting I have become something I never wanted to be and not knowing how to escape. Thoughts like lightning, sudden, widespread and intense. After the thunder always comes the rain. I displayed such a vulnerability in front of three individuals I barely knew but the trust and comfort I needed to ride out the storm, I sought out from them, not you. That's how I knew there was no going back. You didn't mean to turn me into that beast, but you did. You felt like you were just setting parameters, but I felt like I was slowly sinking, only being able to sneak a breath in moments you were unaware of. I knew what I was doing. Every time I made, every destination my friends hung out that wasn't in your comfort zones I was fully conscious. I knew you'd disagree every time. I felt my growth, my evolution, who I was becoming, and it contradicted you. I was the flower growing through the cracks and you were the concrete, constricting me, but unable to stop me. I couldn't stop myself either. They were the life preserver I needed to stay afloat. I've been drowning for weeks, bobbing silently, making no sound as to alert others. I would leave a cookie trail of hints, whispers for help disguised as small talk or humor. We compared our similarities in our relationships. This is me and my friends. We compared the similarities in our relationships in a casual 3 a.m. talk. We laughed about how we all felt the same, that we weren't alone. In that moment, I was still very much alone. I let you go on the 23rd of October at approximately 9 p.m. It had been eight weeks since that night and I've learned from you. Thank you for the lesson in which my armor got stronger and my heart fell to ashes and rose again like the phoenix. She remembered who she was and the game changed. Okay, so instead, you know, we had the tease and we thank you, the teas are delicious. Um, but instead of raising a glass, we're gonna raise a bookmark because why not? This is very artistic and literary. Um, so we're just going to raise a bookmark to thank you all here for, you know, yeah, there we go. It's almost like having your lighter out. Um, um, for just being part of such a special open mic night, I can't wait to do more of these events with Carol. This is a success. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Erica. Um, yeah, what started as me just being a podcast lover turned into an actual art collective. And for that, I'm so thankful. So it means a lot. Um, and Adam here, my you know, partner in crime. <laughs> we have a lot of creative breakthroughs, arguments, but it all leads to this. So it's always worth it, you know? Okay, thank you all. Here's to more years. And we are, I don't know, let's put a bookmark in this. That's our saying, so here you go. Thank you all. Thank you.
Okay, let's put a bookmark in this. The Ivory Tower Boiler Room team consists of Andrew Rimby, that's me, uh, co-creator, along with Adam Katz, fellow co-creator, Erica Grumet, our media director, Mary DePippi, our chief contributor, and Jaron Usta, our head of marketing. Please follow Ivory Tower Boiler Room on Instagram, Ivory Tower Boiler Room, Twitter, Ivory Boiler Room, and Facebook, the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Basically, look up Ivory Tower Boiler Room on any social media and you'll find us. Our website is easy to find. It's ivorytowerboilerroom.com. And we do really want to encourage you all out there, if you are interested to be interviewed by us or want to interview us or want to contribute creative writing or nonfiction writing, please, please email us ivorytowerboilerroom at gmail.com. We are always checking our email. And we also want to thank our official sponsor, Words Matter Bookstore, located in historic Pittman, New Jersey. So if you live in the South Jersey, Philly area or in New Jersey, it's really worth a trip to head to Words Matter Bookstore. Also, you can order books on wordsmatterbookstore.com. And we are going to end our episode with our official theme song, Loverman, co-created by Anne-Sophie Anderson and Megan Ames. Okay, we hope you all are staying safe and healthy out there. Bye for now.